Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. So, um, we are going to continue in our uh, parable series. And so, we've been, uh, we've been going for, I don't know, a few weeks now. And it's been good. Uh, what's the, what have you guys been thinking? Have you enjoying the, se- the series on parables? See, yeah? Seeing them in a different light, maybe? Or just learning? Some of the parables that we've been going over have been parables that we're maybe familiar with, right? But I love when the power of the word through the power of the spirit penetrates our hearts in new ways. Amen? So I am excited. Um, the goal and the focus of Damascus Road has been for us really to grow deeper in our, in our discipleship as being followers of Christ. We don't want to just grow wide. We want to go deeper in our understanding of who we are in Christ. And so that's the goal. That's the goal of our church is to grow deeper and become people who as we are discipled, we are having the vision to make disciples. And so we are exponentially wanting to see more people grow and more people grow in their faith and so that we can have more people come to know the king. Amen? So um, last time I preached, I preached on Matthew 13, the parable of the mustard seed. And this was, I guess the recap of that was that Jesus was proclaiming the arrival of his kingdom. And his kingdom was coming to earth in a manner in which was different than the kingdom that you might expect, or that they at that time would have expected to come. So his kingdom was different. That started from a small seed and grew to be a large plant in the garden, right? And so the, the, the main point there was that God's kingdom is advancing, and, his, and Jesus was proclaiming that he was the king, and he was bringing in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was obsessed with speaking about the kingdom. He was, clearly, he was very clear in his focus about why he was here. He was here to do the work of his father, and that was to bring in the kingdom of heaven to earth. So that was the, the big idea. So now a lot has happened since Matthew 13 to what we're going to be spending time on today, which is Matthew 25, and we're looking at the parable of the ten virgins, the wedding feast preparation. So this is something that we might be familiar with. When you hear this, you think of, if you grew up in church and you were around uh, Sunday school, you, you maybe have an image of the sort of the maidens kind of getting ready for the, the wedding feast and they had their oil and their lamps. That's where we're going today, okay? And so a lot has happened, though, since Matthew 13, where he talked about the arrival of the kingdom of heaven. There's been a lot of things that have happened. Now, this is in Matthew 25 where he's starting, Jesus has been talking about his death more recently, right? And so... He's already healed many. He's fed the 5,000. We have already experienced in Matthew, um, earlier, in the cha- earlier in the book, we experienced Peter's confession, right? We already experienced the, where, where Jesus had the transfiguration. So these monumental things have already happened. So Jesus isn't secretive about who he is anymore. The disciples know who he is, and the crowds know who he is. And now, as we get into Matthew, if you see in Matthew 24 and 25 and 26, these chapters don't often get preached on. What we're going to read today is a warning. It's a warning. So Jesus is talking about the end times. He's talking about his second coming. Okay? These are things that the church is widely divided over, the interpretation of when Jesus is going to return and what the tribulation is going to look like and all these things. And we see things like, we hear things about, like, the rapture. We hear things about, like, the Left Behind series, which was popular, I don't know, in the 90s and maybe early 2000s. But that was, like, exceedingly popular amongst Christians. And so 
The, the point today, before we even dive into this, is to let's focus on the word and let's not let some of the kind of outer things affect us or think about that, okay? So what we do know as the church and that we agree on is that Jesus is returning for his bride. We know that, amen? And we want to long for his return. Okay, so this parable that we're going to pick up right here in Matthew 25, we see it's distinct that Jesus is talking to his disciples. And that's important to note because oftentimes when he was teaching in parables, he was teaching to crowds. Or he was teaching to crowds and the disciples. More often than not, the disciples were part of the crowd. But this is a point where he's speaking to his disciples. Okay? And so I think it's important to know who Jesus is speaking to when we read this parable. So I am going to pray and ask for God to speak to us through this. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we get to hold your words of life. Thank you for the, the power of your spirit that is in these words. And I ask that by the power of your spirit, you would speak to us today a word that uh, may be a, a, a convicting word, a warning word, Lord, that may feel heavy, Lord. And we know that you are good and we trust your goodness. And we ask that your word would do the work of speaking to hearts this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Okay, so I'm going to read through this. It's 12 verses, Matthew 25. You can read along if you like, actually 13 verses. So let's read this, and then we'll kind of break it down. So this is Jesus speaking to the disciples. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps to, and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you, neither, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the parable for today. So, why are we looking at this? Why are we reading this parable? There's lots of parables. Why are we looking at this one? We believe in the whole counsel of Scripture. We believe in all of the words of Jesus are important, and they're good for us to hear. Right? So this is a warning message. So, again, parables are not always a one-to-one, -one, literal, like this is what's happening, right? So they're principles that Jesus was speaking to his disciples so they would understand his heart for the kingdom and his heart for them. But there's some, clear, there's some clear instruction in here, right? And so we have the bridegroom, Jesus, who's going to a wedding feast, right? And, and, the, and the ten virgins kind of represent those who were preparing the way for the bridegroom for the, for the feast, Right? And so we see that we see here that there's clear that there's five who are wise and there's five who are unwise. But we see in verse one, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. So all of so the point thing, all of these, all of these virgins are they all are going to the banquet. 
That's their plan, right? But we see that some of them aren't ready. They haven't been wise. Some of them are wise and are prepared. Some of them are unwise. That's the clear, that's what we draw from this. So when we start to look at this, it's interesting. We can draw some, some interesting things to note. Um, when you look at this and you see that they all, the, the, the bridegroom is delayed. So Jesus is saying, you're not going to know when I'm returning. You won't know when I'm returning. He was delayed. And they got tired. Notice this. This is worth noting. All of them got tired, and they all fell asleep. Okay? So that sometimes you can say, sometimes you could wrongly look at this and wrongly interpret that, like, we're not supposed to rest. You're supposed to be ready. You know what I mean? And just people can take this out of context and go crazy with it. But we see that they were resting. They were waiting, trying to stay up and be prepared for the groom to come. But they fell asleep. But when the bridegroom came, they said, he's coming. They all jumped up. And the point of the, of the parable to pay attention to is this. And this is where we sometimes get this wrong as well in our understanding. We look at it and we see that the ones who had not prepared well, right, they don't have any oil left. And they say, hey, give us some of yours. And you might wonder why, why was Jesus saying, man, these, the, the ones who were wise didn't want to share their oil with the ones who were unwise. Isn't that selfish? Why would they do that? Right? And it's kind of like this. It's kind of like the example of the, and maybe no, no one in this room ever did this, but if you, if, if, when you were in school and you showed up for a test or you had to turn in some homework and you get into the classroom and you're like, oh, man, uh, I didn't do my homework, right? And the teacher's like about to get there, right? And it's like, and you look over at your neighbor or the, the prepared person, you're like, hey, can I get your answers? And the person who's got the, the, who did their work and prepared, they're like, I, why would I do that? I worked, you know, I did all this work, and you're just going to ask, like, no, man, go get your own, go do your own work, you know? And so, I mean, it's maybe not a perfect example, but I'm like, oh, man. I mean, the point is be ready. Be ready. We don't know when the bridegroom is going to return. Be ready. And the point is here, they were all invited, and the ones who were prepared were the ones who went in. And the ones who weren't prepared didn't go to the wedding feast. And he said some, Jesus said some hard words. This is what the kingdom of heaven will be like. He says, when they came back, so they came back, they went and they found oil and they came back and they're like, we're ready to get in here. He's like, I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. That's heavy, right? This is heavy. But it's needed. It is needed. So in all of this, what do we do with this when we read this church? What do we do when we hear the some are going to get in and some aren't? What does Jesus say in Matthew 7? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. Lord, just like it says in Matthew 25, that the verse said, Lord, Lord. He said, I, know, I didn't know you. And they say, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You don't see that on a bumper sticker very often. <laughs> but you got to hear it. We have to hear this. What's the word? 
Not everybody who says they're walking with the Lord or they're a believer is. Not all have been regenerated. You would be surprised. Over time, true colors are shown, right? So when you talk about persevering in the faith, you see people who haven't persevered. Their hearts weren't regenerated. You see people who were even walking and doing things in Jesus' name. They say, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we prophesy? Didn't we perform miracles? And he says, I don't even know you. Because their hearts weren't on the Father's business like Jesus's was. So two things here. Is it, is it important for us? We talk about this. We've been growing in this, like, healing and casting out of demons. That's real. That happens today, right? Miracles happen today. But that's not the point. It's not the point. Those things come as outcomes of walking on the, in the will of the Father, right? Sometimes we can get distracted by pursuing the things, the things that the gifts that he give us can sometimes be distractions from the giver. Sounds cliche, but it's a warning. Amen? It's a warning. So I want both. I want both. I want to go to the feast and I want to do the stuff. Amen? I want both. I want us to have both. I don't want any surprises for any of us. If this feels heavy, it should feel heavy. If it sounds heavy, it's because it should. If you're sitting here and you hear this and you're like, ah, no big deal, that concerns me. It concerns me, right? Because the warning is a fair warning. When Jesus says, be ready, be ready, okay? So if you find it heavy, find that you're in good company, though, okay? So when Jesus went, he took his, so Jesus had the crowd, then there was like the larger group of disciples, then there was the 12, and then there was the three, and he takes the three to go up to pray, and he asked the disciples to pray with them. He said, will you stand and watch and pray with me? I'm like, oh, yeah, no problem. He turns away for five minutes, he comes back, they're sleeping. He's like, what? So that gives me comfort that should comfort you, amen? Not that we would lower our standard, but that we would remember that we, by all things, need God's grace and his power only. Be careful that you're, right? We need to be careful. Once you start to feel like you're spiritually strong and you feel like, you're, like you got it, that's when you should be afraid. That's when you should be nervous. What does, what does scripture say? It says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. How often time, how, have we ever felt we were like, I got this, I'm okay. I'm okay, I got it. God, you need me. Remember those things I did? Remember, you know what I mean? And the stuff that Jesus is talking about, he's not talking about just like, I mean, he's not talking about just small things. I mean, these things you can't make up, right? Prophesying and casting out demons and healing, all these things, those are, those are real things, right? And he's like, I don't even know you. So the warning's heavy. Not everybody will persevere. And not, that's, that's just, so, don't, so don't go to this spot. Don't go to the, like, who's saved, once saved, always saved. Don't, let's not do that. Because that, in your mind, could be a distraction. Okay? And there's a, that's a good time for this good conversation. It's good preaching for another day. Right? Like, who's in, who's not, all that kind of stuff. Although, right, because we're talking about that. But he, we don't have enough time to break all that down. Right? But we do know this. Heed the warning. Heed the warning and be ready. Heed the warning and be ready. Be alert. Wake up. Wake up and pay attention and be ready. So, 
We have dear friends, dear, dear friends of ours who were walking with the Lord. They'd seen God's goodness. They'd seen, they'd, their hearts had been broken by seeing people lost and not know Jesus. And their hearts were broken. I've seen people cry. I've seen people lead people to Jesus who now want nothing to do with him. I could name names, which I won't, but like this isn't just some theoretical thing. Like, these are people who are dear and near and close to me and near and dear and close to you. Okay? So be careful. I remember one time, I wasn't planning on saying this, but I remember one time um, I, stepped down from a, a, uh, I stepped down from a position of uh, leadership. It was years ago. And I was going to take a break, a, like a small sabbatical, because I was tired. But, and, and I remember talking to Matt Spranzi. I said, I'm just going to take a break for a minute with my family. And he's like, well, what's your plan for like, your nourishment? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, Matt, I'll be good. He's like, who are you going to fellowship with? I'm like, Matt, you're talking to me, man. <laughs> I'm an elder. He's like, oh, really? Stronger people than you I've seen walk away. It was, a, it was, I don't even know if you remember that, but that was one of the more humbling conversations I ever had with Matt. Because it was like, oh, really? His answer was, oh, really? <laughs> uh-huh. I so greatly appreciate that, that he had the stones to be like, uh, no. What's your plan? Don't drift. And I really appreciate it because, and you know why Matt said that? Because Matt has dear, dear friends who he's known for years that want nothing to do with Jesus. Dear friends who were doing the stuff, who were singing the songs, who were raising their hands, who were giving their time, who were giving of their money, who were doing the whole charade and now want nothing to do with him. And those people oftentimes end up being the most antagonistic towards the gospel. The ones who have tasted it and chosen to harden their hearts and step away. Now, this is where the debate is, and I'm not going to get into this today. Like, were they truly regenerated? I don't know. Right? Be warned and stay ready. Stay ready. That word that Matt gave me, he's like, oh, you, really? That sits with me. I reflect on that often. You know, kind of like this cocky kid thinking, oh, man, are you kidding me? I've preached before. He's like, yeah. And he didn't say this, but he's probably like, yeah, all the more I'm worried. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the warning is real. The warning is real. So the judgment of Jesus is real. He will come back to judge the living and the dead. Jesus is coming back. That should be good, Right? But the fact that he's coming back and when he returns, he's going to, the next chapter in Matthew 26, he talks about sep, uh, the shep, separating the sheep from the goats. And some will go into eternal, into, right? They'll go into eternal blessing and eternal heaven. And others will go into fire prepared for the devil and his angels. This is real stuff. I'm not making this up. It's in here. Be forewarned. Be forewarned. Okay. So. What do we do with all this? It'd be terrible if I just walked off right now. <laughs> or maybe it wouldn't. I don't know. It might be good. Let the sting of the word and the warning to be ready sting. I know this we cannot do. Beth mentioned it before. 
the most common command throughout all of Scripture is what? Be not afraid. Fear not. Fear not. So what I don't want you to hear today, I don't want you to question your salvation. I don't want you to have all that stuff because as a kid, this was a thing in our house, and this was, this was not healthy because a lot of our friends growing up in the 80s, there was like this whole, you know, um, people kind of came out of the 70s getting saved, and I'm sure, Matt, you know what I'm talking about, this, this whole movement of like the rapture, and there were movies that were made called The Thief in the Night, which are very biblical, the idea that Jesus' return is going to be like The Thief in the Night. It'll scare the everything out of you. You know? And I remember as a kid not understanding who God was and who I was in light of him and what he had already accomplished. And I remember living in fear. I, a true story. I remember hearing about, like, Jesus coming back and then having this time of tribulation and some are going to go and some are going to stay and we're not going to know who's going to go and who's going to stay and you won't even know. And preachers like me were somebody, you won't even know. You know what I mean? And, some be, and so then what I would do, man, I, I'm not kidding, I would go downstairs to, like, Drop off laundry. I go upstairs to be normal. I was like, oh my gosh, everyone got raptured and I stayed here. <laughs> that was deeply ingrained into me. I'm not kidding. Like, often, I'd come home from like a bike ride or whatever, and everyone was whatever, you know, like my mom would be outside like picking raspberries or whatever, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got, I got left behind. <laughs> I'm the, I knew it. This was my fear. You know what I mean? And we joke about that, but that's the, we have to be wise with the word. We have to remember the whole counsel. We have to remember it all, which is why it's good to mention and to preach on the warning, but we have to remember, you have to remember what God has done in you and that he's called you his own, right? And that as far as the east is from the west, your sins are gone, right? All these things. If you know Jesus, if you've repented, if you've committed yourself to the king, if you've been reconciled, you're good. But if you haven't, so the challenge is high. We keep talking about this. There's a high challenge and a high invitation. The challenge is high. This word is heavy. But the invitation is also high. They were all invited to the wedding feast. They were all invited to the wedding feast. So the invitation today is for you. Are you ready? Are you walking? Are you going? Have you turned? Have you done it? And, what, and so this is the other thing that gets weird, is that we would, like, in that fear, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my family? You know what I mean? Like, what's going to happen to Grandma? You know what I mean? All of these things, they were deep in our hearts. It was just deep fear. Now, some of that stuff is right. Our hearts should break for people who don't know Jesus. They should break. And we should get on our knees, and we should pray. And we should be bold in our evangelical word, right? We should be bold in proclaiming who Jesus is. We should not live in fear, though. We should not live in fear. If you are living in fear, it's a high indication that you're living off your own works. That you're trying to do this on your own. The more prone you are to do things on your own, absent of the power of the Spirit or the proof of His Word, the more likely you'll get anxious and fearful. But the more we rely on Him, the more we go to the shepherd, the good shepherd who loves us, right? We can't forget the rest of the parables. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven being like the lost sheep, the one lost sheep, and how the shepherd will leave the 99 and go find the one, that's the lovesick heart of a father who will do whatever it takes to bring his kids back. Amen? 
So we can't live in fear and we can't give up hope, but we also can't, we can't avoid the warning. We can't avoid the warning. So we can't live in fear, but we have to heed the warning. So Ephesians 6, 15, the armor of God. This is powerful. We, and um, it was so great when I was studying this. Because candidly, I'm studying this, and I'm like, Shannon, why'd you have me teach this, man? What? This is heavy stuff. You know? I'm like, oh, you want me to cover for you while you're on the kids trip on a ropes course? Thanks, pal. <laughs> for real. But God is so good, man. The word is so good. And so when I'm going through this, I'm like, how, what's the word? The word is a warning, but then we need the full armor of God. Ephesians 6, another like kids' church classic where we look at the whole armor of God. And we look at, so if I look at Ephesians 6, starting in verse 13, it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. So there, first of all, before I even get into that, he says, stand firm. So the call and the warning is heavy, but also this, he says, stand firm. Put on the whole armor of God. And we kind of have our pet armor that we like to use, our, our favorites, right? So if we go, this says, stand firm, having fastened the belt of truth and having on the, bre- the breastplate of righteousness, right? But this one, Verse 15, and as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The readiness. So God's already given us what we need to be ready. Amen? If you picture, I mean, if you picture the soldier like, you know, like from biblical times where they got like the head, or they got the helmet on, they got the sword, they got the breastplate, they got all this kind of stuff. But if he didn't have shoes on, he's not going to get real far in battle, right? But we like, we don't, I don't often hear about that one, candidly. The shoes of readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So Jesus speaks a heavy word, but he quips with peace and joy. And knowing that he loves you, right? So if you don't know that Jesus loves you, right? If we stopped at Matthew 25, this is a sad day. But he's saying all this to the disciples on his way to the cross. He's saying all this. And guess what happens after the cross? We also sometimes in the church often focus mostly on the cross. Guess what comes after the cross? The empty tomb. Amen? The empty tomb. Right? So Jesus gives this warning. This is what the kingdom is going to look like. This is what, there's some that are going to not be in the kingdom. Right? And there is a penalty to be paid, and I'm going to take that, and I will take on the burden of your sin because I love you and I want you in the family, in the kingdom. Right? So it's out of an act of love, even after hearing the warning that Jesus goes to the cross, and it doesn't end there. He dies, he beats Satan's sin and death, and he returns as the risen king. Amen? That is where we want to go. And then Jesus leaves. So when he's talking about this, he's talking about his return. If we only stopped here, it also is a, it's a hard day. But again, remember this. Remember this. We're not talking about just here and now. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about eternity. There's eternal ramifications to how we live our life. That's heavy. And also, there's an opportunity there, right? 
how you live your life has eternal, has eternal impact, right? But here's the thing. We want to long for Jesus' return. He's going to come back. He's coming back for his church. He loves his church. We are his church. We, you, you notice in this parable there's no mention of the bride because the church is the bride. So Jesus is returning for the bride. So as we long for Jesus to return, guess what we'll become? ready. As we're wise and we look at our lives and we want to be like the wise versions who were prepared, we look at our life and we say, I want to be ready. And if you forget that Jesus is returning and you forget that there's an eternal kingdom that he's calling you to, you might not want to get ready. Does that make sense? So I was talking with Dan Spranzi earlier, and this, I hope you don't mind that I share this. We're talking about like how great, how the kids have been looking forward to this summer trip, right? And so my kids are freaking out how excited they are, and Dan's kids were freaking out how excited they were. Last year's was so awesome. We love it so much. We can't wait to go. Oh, my gosh. And then the cost, and then time goes on, and you're like, ah, you know what? Maybe I don't want to go. Hey, it's going to cost this much. In order for you to pay for it, you got to do this, 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 blah, 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 and yet you got to go, and you're not going to be able to, you know, uh, I don't know if I want to go anymore. You know what they did? They forgot about what, what they were pursuing. They forgot about the joy that they had on the trip, as a silly example as that might be, right? We forget. We forget what God has called us to. We forget what God has redeemed us from. That's why it's so good to remember, like what Scott went through today, the redemption and the reconciliation of the brokenness of addiction and how God, over eight years, has done a wonderful thing in Scott's life. We want to remember that. Amen? We need to remember the things that God has done, and we need to get clarity around what he's, call, what he's called us from and what he's calling us to. Amen? So, here's the thing. The more we long for his return, the more our eyes will be fixed on heaven. The more our eyes are fixed on heaven, the less things of this earth will matter to us. But if we only fix our eyes on, on this earth and the pleasures of this earth and the things that we can squeeze out of this, the more our distraction, oh, a distraction away from heaven takes place. So where is your focus? Where is our focus? Is it on now? Is it on trying to squeeze as much out as you can get now? Or is it on heaven? Fix your minds on the things above. Let's set your minds on things above where Christ is, says in Colossians, right? We want to focus on things above. And the mystery of the here and now of the kingdom of God is here and the kingdom of God is coming. We can't explain that, but we trust it. We trust that God is good. We trust that he knows you and loves you and has a plan for you. And that these warnings, like the warning isn't, it, that's not where it ends. There's a warning and there's a provision, right? I got this. I want you in, right? But God's a good and loving God. He's not going to force anything. So we got to make some moves. Right? we got to make some moves. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are we ready? So we look in 2 Timothy 4, 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do we long for Jesus to return? Do we know that he's returning? Are our lives aligned in such a way? Are our life priorities lined up in alignment with Jesus returning 
for his bride. Are we ready? Or are we just playing games? Because I guarantee you those, ten, those five that were sitting outside the door were like, duh, I was supposed to be in there. I had a name on the invitation. It was supposed to be there. Right? I don't, I, I'm not smart enough, so, so don't even ask me afterwards. I, I don't know how that all works. I just don't. I just know that some are in, some aren't. I know some, you'll be surprised at the ones that you'll see in the new heaven and the new earth, and the ones who are present and the ones who aren't. Man, that's heavy. That's heavy, right? But oh, to fix our eyes on Jesus, to have our mindset be on heaven, to long for his return in our longing, in our longing, we'll be ready. We'll be ready, amen? So we need to fix our eyes on Jesus and know that he loves you. So focus on what you can do, not on what you can't. Okay, don't live in fear. I shared those stories from my childhood as an example. I hope it doesn't like make people be afraid. But honestly, if you're afraid, you may just gotta confess that. You know, if you got fear, if any of this, if any of this stuff makes you fearful, go to Jesus with it, right? And go and pray. Confess that. Confess that. So we know that we need a savior, right? When we hear words like this, we get reminded of how deeply in need we've always been and how deeply in need we always will be and how good of the Father to send us Jesus and then give us the Holy Spirit to empower us, to walk in power, not fear. Amen? So for this morning, as I wrap up and as we head into, as we head into worship and communion, if you need to do some work and pray, and you need to talk to someone and pray with someone, do that. We don't have an official plan for that, but find someone who you know who you can pray with. But ask yourself these things. Am I ready? Am I ready? And meditate. Meditate on Ephesians 6. Put those shoes of readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. The language of peace should comfort us. Longing for his return should comfort us. Are you ready? So we're gonna, I'm going to close, and the worship team is going to come up, and we're going to worship, and we're going to remember, and we're going to take communion together, remembering Jesus' sacrifice for us. Remembering Jesus' sacrifice for us, and that he calls us his. Amen? All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your invitation to the wedding feast. We want to be at that table. We're thankful for the invitation. We, I pray for all of us here. I pray for this word, Lord. I pray that you would turn hearts towards you in all of this. And anywhere where I miss, and I, if I misspoke or I said something that was not in alignment with what your spirit would have been for this warning, I pray that you would just cover over that by the power of your spirit. I pray a word that if it feels heavy, Lord, that you would comfort, that you would comfort your way, not our way, and that you would bring the goodness of the gift of your spirit and the goodness 
of the eternal perspective of sitting at the wedding feast of the Lamb today. So as we commune today, we, we remember your broken body for us, and we're thankful for it. We're thankful that you took the penalty of sin and that you didn't just die and stay there, but you died and you beat Satan, sin, and death, and that the, that the tomb is empty. God, so I pray today that you would help us grow. I pray that you would uh, turn our hearts and our minds towards you, and that we'd fix our eyes on you, Jesus, and lo- as we long for your return. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.